Hi everybody and welcome to the Junction Church Podcast. We pray that this message inspires and encourages you. If you would like to find out any more information about us, then please visit our website at www.thejunctionchurch.com. Thank you for listening. I am so excited for today. I mean, like, I, not only are we starting a series where I just, I just totally agree with the name, The Rise of Champions. I mean, it just, it just resonates with everything about why I do what I do. It's, and I believe that's what God loves to see in our lives as well. Like, God loves to see the rise of champions. God loves to see people rising up in their faith. God loves people to see, pe- see people rising up in their callings. And that's where we're going to be um, talking about over the next few weeks. And, and I encourage you that no matter how you may feel or no matter where you've come from, God has ordained you to be a champion. God has ordained you to rise up in, in your sphere of influence in your life and to, to rise up and be the champion that he's called you to be in. This is what a champion is in the dictionary. Um, a person who has surpassed all rivals in the contest or competition and is someone who vigorously supports or defends a person or cause. And a person who also fights in single combat on behalf of a nation or an army. And God is calling us to be champions. And I love that. And I love that about this church, that we are really facilitating the rise of champions. We're facilitating a great move of God. We're, we're making way for God to do something that we haven't seen before, to, to, to um, topple things that society has put up on pedestals, and we come along and we show the love of God, and it really exposes things for what they are. And then we see a wave of God's spirit, a wave of God's love, just sweeping this nation and turning it upside down. And that's what champions do. And, and I'm really excited to speak this morning, and I'm speaking from this passage. Um, a lot of you may know or have heard the story of um, Gideon. Um, hands up, you've heard of Gideon? Yeah. Uh, Gideon is um, a character in the book of Judges, and um, this is a time where um, Israel had no king, and, uh, and there are these judges that were raised up to shepherd the people and to guide the people into what the will of God was. And, and Gideon's an interesting character, and um, I'm going to pull a few keys from his life, but we're going to read a lot of scripture this morning, so bear with. Um, so we're going to start in verse 11 in, Gideon, um, in Judges chapter 6. Um, yeah, chapter 6 and verse 11. So this is the angel of the Lord now meeting with Gideon. So now the angel of the Lord came, sat under the terebinth tree, which was in Ophrah, which belonged to Joash, the Abizarite, which his son Gideon threshed wheat in the winepress in order to hide it from the Midianites. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, The Lord is with you, you mighty man of valor. Gideon said to him, O oh my Lord, if the Lord is with us, then why has all this happened? Why has all this happened to us? And where are all the, his miracles, which our fathers told us about, saying, did not the Lord bring us up, up, up from Egypt? But now the Lord has forsaken us and delivered us into the hands of the Midianites. Then the Lord turned and said to him, said, go in this might of yours, and you shall save, the, you shall save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have I not sent you? So he said to him, O oh my Lord, how can I save Israel? Indeed, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my father's house. And the Lord said to him, Surely I will be with you, and you shall defeat the Midianites as one man. And then I'll skip down to verse 25. And um, this is, this is um, God talking to him again, um, giving him a, um, a command. He says, Now it came to pass the same night that the Lord said to him, Take your father's young bull, 
the second bull of seven years old and tear down the altar of Baal that your father has and cut down the wooden image that is beside it and build an altar to the Lord your God on the top of this rock in the proper arrangement and take the second bull and offer a burnt sacrifice with the wood of the image which you shall cut down. So Gideon took the men um, from among his servants and did as the Lord said to him, but Because he feared the father's household and the men of the city too much to do it by day, he did it by night. So at least he got the job done, right? Which is good. Um, And then when the men of the city arose early in the morning, there was an altar of Baal torn down and the wooden image that was beside it was cut down and the second bull was being offered on the altar which had been built. So they had said to one another, who has done this thing? And when they had inquired and asked and said, Gideon, the son of Joash, has done this thing. Then the men of the city said to Joash, bring out your son that he may die because he has torn down the altar of Baal and because he has cut down the wooden image that was beside it. But Joash um, said to all who stood against him, said, would you plead for Baal? Would you save him? Let the one who would plead for him be put to death by morning. If he is a god, this is Baal, if Baal is a god, let him plead for himself, because his altar has been torn down. Therefore, on that day, he called him Jeroboam, saying, let Baal plead against him, because he has torn down his altar. I'm speaking this morning on the subject of the valor of a champion. The valor of a champion, and uh, valor is... It's the, it's the ability to act in courage in despite of danger. It's the valor of a champion that helps people rise up. And this was what Gideon was called. Gideon was called a man of valor. And it's this valor that is on our lives, actually exists inside of us, that enables us to rise up no matter what the opposition is, no matter what we're facing, no matter what our life circumstances, our valor that enables us to rise up as champions. So we are valorous champions in this house. And, um, and that is a name, I guess, you won't hear very often. I mean, valor is one of those words that sort of loses its use over time. But um, how many people know that there's nicknames and things that we get called that we don't fully agree with when they, we get called them, right? How many people have those kind of nicknames? When I was younger, I used to get called um, Baby for stars because I was the youngest brother. Youngest of four boys, and, and um, I used to get called baby, and I used to get um, called chubby because my cheeks were like fatter than my face at the time when I was growing up, and, and then uh, slightly older than that, I was about eight or nine, and my brother Chris, he would call me, he called me girl because he's mean, and because I would get beaten up a lot, and um, if, I'm, if I'm seven or eight and my brothers are 13 and 14, I'm going to end up crying most of every time when we get into altercations. And so I was, I was just crying and crying. And I believe that's why my voice broke earlier than most people to my age. They'll be like, wah, wah, wah. You know, like that's, that's what happened. And, and I suppose if older brothers do their job right, you mature quicker. And um, so, so, but, um, but I got called these names. And, but then after I started to grow up and got a bit bigger, um, I stopped getting called girl a bit less because I was a lot stronger than my brothers when we were fully grown. And then um, I started to do martial arts training. And um, one of the guys in my MMA gym, who called me um, Silva. Because um, at the time, Anderson Silva was uh, the best in the world. And um, so this is a name that I liked and hated at the same time. Because... Anton Silva, he was like one of my favorite fighters. So it was like, if I'm getting associated with Anderson Silva, that's like, 
yeah, that's, that's, that's really good. I'm like, and that's just sort of made me feel like, yeah, I'm Anderson Silva. But then when I actually saw Anderson Silva compete and train, it's just like, whoa, I am not Anderson Silva. That is not, as, I'm nowhere near that level. And it's, and it's something that I liked. I both liked and hated the name because of what it represented and what it was attaching me to. But in this, on our story here, we have Gideon, who's called a mighty man of valor. And he both loved this name, but hated this name. Let's read this in verse 12 again. It says here, um, the, um, sorry, um, the angel of the Lord has called to Gideon, and he said to him, the angel of the Lord appears to him and said, Lord is with you, you mighty man of valor. You know, when God says something, there's a permanence about it. As Neil was talking about, he knows every hair on your head, so he does make no mistake. He makes no mistake when he calls you a mighty man of valor. When he calls you a mighty man or woman of faith, he does, make, he does not make any mistake when he names you. When he's called you by name, he has not made a mistake. But here, Gideon immediately goes to him, Oh, my Lord, if the Lord is with us, then why has all this happened to us? So we have God who is the maker of the heavens and earth. He says one thing, and then Gideon says something completely opposite. This love-hate battle with the name he's been given by God is, I guess, synonymous with a lot of our battles in our lives as well, where he says to him, why has all this happened to us? And we're all his miracles, which our fathers told us about, saying, did not the Lord bring us out of Egypt? In other words, my identity doesn't have any relation to my circumstance. My identity is about where I'm currently at, where I'm currently feeling. But as we rise up as champions, we realize we are not defined by what goes around us. We are not defined by the life up to this point. When God says something, that has started a new trajectory. That started a new reality. When he calls us to rise up in our, in our strength and the might that we have, it doesn't matter what we're going through because he is actually doing something in us based on our identity, not based on our circumstance. And what Gideon was being led to was a point of realizing you are not like your father's house. You are not like the, like the nation at this point. What you are being raised up to do is you're raised up to be a champion. You're being raised up to take a generation out of, sal- out of, out of slavery and into salvation. You are not defined by what goes on in your life, but you're defined by what God has said into you. Yeah. You're defined by what God said into you. Yeah. It's the valor of a champion that identifies with the, uh, the true identity of our core selves, rather than the circumstances that we face ourselves in. So Gideon was a man of valor. And the valor in, of a champion enables us, to, enables us to rise up, enables us to take a hold of our identity, take a hold of our promise despite our problems. And that's what I love about this series it's because when you read the stories of champions of faith, champions of any individual sports or people that have broken world records, they all have this in common. They had obstacles, but the obstacles didn't stop them. In fact, it actually made them more bold into pursuing their purpose. The valor of a champion is what helps us rise up. So I'm going to give you three keys from this story about how the valor of a champion helps us rise. So if you're taking notes, and I would encourage you to do so. Apparently, you get into heaven if you do that. <laughs> or you get into heaven faster, as that is. 
But I would encourage you, three points. And the first one is that valor of a champion causes us to get rid of compromise. See, Gideon was a man of valor. He was to defeat the armies of the Midianites as one man, as one man. And he was sent by God to do so. But the first thing he was told to do, we'll find it in verse 25. Now it came to pass the same night that the Lord said to him, Take your father's young bull, the second bull of seven years old, and tear down the altar of Baal that your father has, and cut down the wooden image that is beside it. And build an altar to the Lord your God on top of this rock in the proper arrangement. Take the second bull and offer it as a burnt sacrifice with a wood of the image. And then so he did it over the night because he was afraid. Um, but the fact of the matter is he cut down their, niche, their um, village's altar, their false god. He cut down this false god. And the thing is, why this is so important? Why not just deal with the enemies that were oppressing them, then go out? Why, why, what was the order in this? And they came to realizing that the reason why God asked them to do this one thing first is because he was tearing down an altar of compromise. He was tearing down something that they elevated that was not serving their purpose. And this is the key to any of our lives. And if we're, if we're, in, um, if we're leading families, if we're leading groups or organizations or whatever, but compromise paradigms lead to constricted pursuits. Compromise patterns, compromised um, modus operandi, if you will, will lead to constricted pursuits where we may be going after something, but we're not going after it with all the power and strength because we're compromised. So the first thing God said is to do was to tear down this thing, tear down this altar because it's not doing you any good. First thing was to tear down the compromise, take away the compromise. And here's the thing about compromise. Compromise is, it's as easy as honoring something. It's as easy as lifting something up. It's as easy as looking at our life and seeing where our time goes, where our money goes, where are these things going. These represent things that we're putting honor, value to, and these things build up, and then they begin to be almost like, almost like, a, like a separate God or a separate entity of itself. And these are the things that God was saying, they don't serve your purpose. Tear it down and watch what happens. So I love that Gideon had the boldness to do this, but you know, he had to find his opportunity, right? He had to, he had to do it when everyone was asleep, so he wouldn't have opposi- opposition. But, but the thing is that God enabled him to do this because he had a bigger promise. And because he was a bigger God than the Baal they set up and the Asherah they set up next to him, it was like a little wooden goddess, right? So they burnt the, the wooden goddess on this temple um, that, that, um, that the altar was set up to, to honor God. And so, so Gideon did this. And, and Gideon did this and he, he actually launched himself into something that he couldn't have done before. And in our lives, there's things that exist around us that we need to topple over or push to the side so then we can allow the full glory of God to shine and fall on us. There's, there's things that we need to lift up. And I love that, we are, um, that Pastor Kevin spoke about we're a house of encouragement, we're, that we're sons of encouragement like Barabbas. And, I'm sorry, not like Barnabas, not Barabbas. <laughs> but the thing is, when what we lift up, we give honor to. And when we lift up one another... 
when we lift up God, when we lift up the people in our lives, that's when they can be elevated to a place of value, a place of honor, a place of strength. But when we honor the wrong things, then it becomes a weakness to us. So champions, what defines good and great champions is that they pull down the right things. We pull down the right things and we raise up the right things. In this house, we raise up one another because we actually help one another become champions in this life. We are champions because of one another. We're only as good as the people next to us. Let's build each other up to see each other do great things. And when we do great feats, we celebrate with one another. We celebrate and we actually partake in each other's victories. So Gideon, the valor of Gideon, helped him to get rid of the compromise that befell his nation. The valor of Gideon also enabled him to stand up against challenge. Just as we read here, when the, when the nation, sorry, the, the village of, um, of um, Joash and his, and his um, townsmen, they, they found the, the altars destroyed, so then they, there was an uproar. They, they, they were like, you, you tore down our God, we're going to tear you down. You, you don't do that. We, this is our God, and we put a lot of time into that, and like, you, you're not going to do that, so we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna kill him. So then his dad sort of steps in, like, whoa, whoa hang on a minute. And, and I love his argument, because he wasn't for or against this, right? But he, he, he says this in verse um, 31. He kind of comes to himself, he's like, hang on a minute. Would you plead for Baal? Would you save him? And then he goes on to say this. He says, let Baal plead for himself. Let, let Baal defend himself. He's a, if he's a god, surely he has been sinned against. So let him defend himself, right? So I love that where some, somehow Joash came to himself after this, this um, thing has been toppled down. And it's just like, oh, that god wasn't as big as I thought it was. That wasn't a, as big a deal as I thought it was. But, but when, I, when it was elevated, it looked so high and mighty. But when it was down, it's like, oh, that wasn't actually that big. And it encouraged the nation to then go into a victory. But what it started us was, was discovering how big this thing was. And the truth was, it's that nothing is bigger than the, the, the promises of God. Than the victory that God's calling us to. Than the, the, the status God is elevating us to. There's nothing bigger than that. And I love that, that in this defense, Joash, sorry, um, Gideon didn't even say anything. He just stood aside and let the work of his hands do the rest. Now, I love that about the church. That Jesus says in John 13, he says that people will know that you're mine because you love one another. Wow. In other words, it's not about what you say. It's not about what feats you accomplish. It's by the love that you demonstrate, by the love that you show. And that is what's going to show Jesus. Not what, not what things um, we, can, we can do to make you know, great statues of ourselves. But no, no, no. We, we love one another. And in the act of loving, we actually build up something great that can't be toppled by anything earthly. can't be disputed by anything carnal. It's, it's the love that's in us that actually helps us to, to rise up to a point where people will see what we do and glorify God. People will see what we do and glorify God. And if you notice, Gideon was given another name. He was given the name Jeroboam. In other words, let this God defend himself. You know, 
I was thinking about this the other week and I find that I've never had to defend my faith to my friends. I've I've never had to because the fruits of my life have been evidence enough to say, I know why you worship God. I know why you go to church. I know why you say the things you say and do the things you do because I can see it working in your life. And it's the outworking of our faithfulness, the outworking of our encouragement, the outworking of our hard work actually lets people see the fruit of what we're doing, why we're doing what we're doing. And then they want to be in our team. Then they want to see it. Then they want to rise up and be champions in their own lives because they see the fruit of what we get taught in this house, the fruit of the things that God shows us, the fruit of the lives we have when we give it over to God. And when God is elevated, when God is made supreme, that is when things in our lives take up a new elevation. We don't have to defend the things we do or defend the things we say because the fruit of the things we say. Thanks for listening. If you have any questions or you'd like to find out contact information or service times, then don't forget to visit our website, www.thejunctionchurch.com. God bless.